0: The Cricket Podcast.
1: I think it should never be permitted to happen again.
2: That is very good. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Cricket Podcast with me, Jack Hope, Ross Legg. Hello, everybody. And Max Roy Brown. Hello. Um, once again, we've got absolutely no contemporary cricket to talk to you about, um, and we are uh, doing the podcast from different locations, so apologies if there's a little bit of um, a, a sound quality issue. Although last week I was quite happy with that, boys.
1: Yeah, I think, uh, and you have to remember that cricket's not too far away now, the big, the big Boris plan coming into action, yeah, no. we're going to be rocketing along.
2: Um, sure, anyway. Just what, as long in, as it all the pull on its
0: head, and we all get stuck <laughs> inside again.
2: <laughs> <laughs> there's positive thoughts Max um, here's what we've got with without actual cricket um, Max you're going to talk to us uh, about coronavirus for five minutes yep. with what we call the corona Fivers. <laughs> <That's laughs>
1: absolutely terrible <laughs> doesn't get any I better will be is talking,
2: it <laughs> <laughs> I will be talking about Shane Watson um, and what kind of a career he'd have had if he'd only been out LBW a normal amount of times and uh, there's no business like cricket show business, uh, or at least that's what Ross says, uh, he'll be talking you through cricketers who have had a go at show business. Isn't that right, Ross? Correct. Uh, and then finally, uh, we've got the Hall of Fame. The candidates this week, Malcolm Marshall, Chaminda Vass, Steve Harmison. Um, Only one of them can make it in. Uh, who will it be? Uh, before we get into that, though, uh, it's uh, we've, I've got a question. We start every show with a question. Um for people who have been watching a lot of news, uh, such as myself, you might have noticed uh, that the king of the ECB... is he Actually, is he the king of the ECB, Tom Harrison? He's
1: someone yeah. important... Yeah, that's, that's, his actually, that's his job title. He is actually is, king of ECB. OK, so yeah. king of
2: ECB, mm-hmm. Tom Harrison, went on the telly yesterday or the day before and he said um, that cricket, for cricket to come back, they need six weeks' notice because that's how long it takes for a fast bowler to go from sitting around in lockdown to being match fit so my question for you two is if you had six weeks in a cricket boot camp what do you think you'd get out of it?
1: Good question Max do you want to go first on that one? Sure why not Um, so I think
0: what I would get is probably to the point where I'm actually playing quite well uh, fairly happy with my uh, my batting form and technique fairly happy with my wicket keeping technique uh, just in time for it then to rain for the rest of the season and not get to put any of it into practice. Sure. Um,
1: Ross. <laughs> Max, the classically kind of really positive and then unbelievably negative. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, do we, if I'm on the boot camp do I have access to all of the England coaches or, yeah, you're, is, this you're, a, or is this just a boot camp by myself I'm, I'm self isolated <laughs> in a boot camp
2: no so for a bit more clarity also in Tom Harrison's plan is that instead of having like the normal squad of like 13 or 14 England players there'll be 30 that go to this boot camp which presumably is uh, for injury replacements and so on um, uh, classic, you herd
1: immunity from injury nice yeah. good
2: thinking <laughs> You, uh, for some inexplicable reason, have been chosen to also attend this boot camp. Um, so you, yes, you will have access to.
1: Uh, so I think the, the first person I would actually seek out is um, Jeremy Snape. Why so would Jer- you, would be, so Jeremy, is he going to be there? Jeremy Jeremy Snape is going to be there in my, <laughs> in my boot camp. Jeremy Snape is there. So for those of you who don't know who Jeremy Snape is, he was uh, the the creator of the Moonball. And the Moonball is my specialist delivery, I'd say, in, uh, in my off-spinning uh, repertoire. And uh, as the creator, and he's a sports psychologist now, employed across the globe with um, T20 sides, etc. Uh, I think I'd come out as a master of the Moonball. And I yeah. think that is, that is something that I could achieve in six weeks. And that would be absolutely deadly at the level we play at. Sure. I um, can well, tell you something I that I would like
0: to achieve in six weeks, but I don't think I would be able to achieve. Uh, which no worries, is uh, learning how to throw.
1: Yeah, yeah but th- this is this isn't a boot camp where your dad takes down the park, Max. This is proper people.
0: I reckon Paul Collingwood could teach me how to throw, but you might need eight weeks instead of six.
1: <laughs> what, do you, what do you reckon your base? Say, say you've got say one to hundred, Max. Yeah. Hundred being your Paul Collingwood. Yeah. How good do you think your outfield ability is?
0: Um, well, can we separate that into being able to stop the ball and pick it up
1: and throwing it? Just, just keep it simple. <laughs> <laughs> we've seen, we've seen, we've seen you do both, mate. It's not going to look good.
2: Uh, twelve. We've already put, people are people are looking forward to the rest of the show.
0: They don't. <laughs> <laughs> I I highly doubt that. Yeah, I'll give myself twelve, Ross. I think That's solid twelve. <laughs>
2: um, yeah, I I don't know what I'd get. I think probably what I would get out of it is deep hatred of cricket. Um, <laughs> I had a look at how much I have played over the last few years. I so six weeks is forty-two days consecutive days of cricket. Um, I have played in the last ten years of my life about forty-two days worth of cricket. So I I, I think that might it might be overkill for me.
1: Well, um, I think uh, I, I like the idea of a boot camp. I would definitely go. And uh, my golf my golf might improve.
0: <laughs> Whoa, uh, <okay. laughs>
1: Not your straight drive,
0: but your
2: goal. Not my
1: straight drive. No, 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 no.
2: Yeah. Um, anyway, that's um, that's that's the introduction, isn't it? Um, we will play one of our jingles, and then uh, Max, you're coming back with the Corona us everyone's favourite five minutes.
1: We love hearing from our listeners, so please follow us at the Cricket Pod on Twitter and Instagram. Or if you have a great story, like Scotty G did, about The Hayden Way, Matthew Hayden's personal website, we want to hear about it. So from wherever you're from, send us in a great story and we'll read out on the show. Email us on thecricketpod at gmail.com. Thank you very much.
2: Yeah, so the coronavirus, for people who didn't listen last week is all of the news about coronavirus uh, that's related to cricket condensed into one five-minute segment delivered by Max, so that if you're bored of um, COVID-19, like I am, um, you can skip ahead a few minutes and uh, rejoin us when we're talking about Shane Watson. Um, so Max, I am going to load up the coronavirus timer and count you down. Three,
0: two, one. So the latest news probably in in uh, in England uh, would be the new advice that we've got from uh, coronavirus. Uh, uh, some people have been a little confused about uh, what's been said uh, by the government. So I, well, I'm gonna, firstly going to try and clarify some things. Um, so you can now play some recreational sport outdoors with your household or one member of another household as long as you socially distance, which obviously means cricket nets a back on with Enter one news. one friend um, so you should probably hope that you're both all-rounders otherwise it's going to be really boring for someone fighting against <laughs>
1: yeah or... well, max what happens if so i live i live with someone who plays cricket as well mm. so if both of us went surely you'd be able to invite one person you each you could yeah have you a could four get a person net. and then third they third could invite
2: again. one person each and then you've got six people and then they yeah, can invite I, one person each I, and then you've got eight people
0: i i, I don't think that's allowed <laughs> uh, if you ask Dominic Raab nicely you might be able to do that because uh, he said you could uh, meet two people from another household uh, as long yeah, as you I'm, I'm not
1: totally convinced that Dominic Raab can count well so. no
0: I, I also wouldn't recommend asking any of the other cabinet members because apparently that's not actually okay uh, maybe I'll ask Pretty Patel and about. the whole team
1: can come down <laughs> <laughs> anyway <laughs> Max back to Chrono
0: yeah thanks for that um so yeah, you could also do cricket nets with your household. Uh, so, you know, if you happen to live in a flat of cricketers, then lucky you. That's good. Um, but probably <laughs> what, what, well, so, what you know not about, lucky you, know, you if back, you live in, in a flat a of cricketers.
1: We, what, what is a collection of cricketers called? I
0: was I was thinking about a that. A bunch of
1: idiots. <laughs>
0: collected down for a, for a group of cricketers.
1: Yeah. What about mm. a waddle? Oh, it's not a bad one. A, a gooch. Oh, a, gooch of cricketers. a googly. Anyway, anyway. moving
0: on. Um, just remember, if you are doing this, not to show your gear and uh, keep your balls to yourself.
1: Yeah, no, no, no one touch Max's new maroon helmet. <laughs>
0: Shut up. Um, secondly, in the world of uh, cricket-related coronavirus news, Cookerborough uh, fairly recently said they've developed a wax that you can use to shine uh, either a red or a white cricket ball, um, so players don't have to spit all over it, um, which might be helpful if cricket comes back. Um, with, you know, obviously, they don't want to be people licking things and then touching them and, and, uh, and that sort of thing.
2: Um, I'm not sure I trust anything Kookaburra do with a cricket ball, though.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, based
0: on, uh, based on their countrymen. Um, but I, I did see uh, an interview with Alistair Cook, they we were sort of discussing this sort of thing, and he was saying that if they bring cricket back, it should basically just be all or nothing, so like no gimmicks or weird additions like wax or keepers not being allowed to stand up or anything like that, because it might asterisk any, any results that come from the summer. Uh, I mean, also based on that, I thought maybe no one tell him about the 100, because um, that doesn't sound yeah. like it would be up his street. Um, but uh, do do we think that's that's a fair a fair thing to ask for when it comes to getting cricket back on, or is is chef coming at this from like the point of view of someone who's had a very successful career and is coming to the end of it, and it probably doesn't really matter too much to him whether he plays this summer because um, he actually said himself if we don't play it might extend his career a little bit with it, with a year off. You know, are yeah. there are there other cricketers out there who might be desperate to play, looking to develop. Ian Bell missed pretty much all of the last season. Um, he's not got long left, so he might be, you know, coming at it from a different <laughs> not angle, dying. wanting to play as much as <laughs> Ian Bell's not got long left. You don't know that. I haven't heard from him recently. Um,
1: um, so, here, so this is a thing from me, Max. I, when it comes to you know, Alistair Cook's thing, maybe he's just coming about it from like, actually changing human behaviour is nearly Im- going to be impossible. So I don't. Th- they might introduce wax to the cricket ball, but there's no way you're going to stop a cricketer from accidentally oh. shining the ball. A gag. The muscle memory is just there. Yeah, like, we could mask everyone... them up. I think that's Give what them they should Give surgical masks.
2: If anybody, if anybody licks the ball, then uh, they have to wear a gag for the rest of the
0: game.
1: <laughs> in, in an unlikely uh, recombination of things, we put BDSM and cricket together. <laughs>
0: Well, I don't know. You've
2: got bats, haven't you? Um, Max, you've got 15 seconds. Is there anything else you need to tell us about coronavirus in the coronavirus?
0: No, so I carry, I'll carry over my 15 seconds to next year. Next year? Next year. Next year. Next <laughs> Optimistic. The, the um,
1: classic annual podcast.
2: Uh, very good. Very good. Um, I, I I found that to be informative. <laughs> Thank you for your feedback.
0: <laughs>
1: Uh, good job, Max. Good job. Uh, Jack, you've been uh, looking at some stats with uh, Shane Watson. Um, Should we have a quick break and then come back with uh, what you've created? That sounds good. good morning, everyone. It's uh, not exactly what we wanted to see. The three umpires, Daryl Hare and Terry Prue and Len King, just going out uh, to see what they can do and to see if there's any decision that uh, they might be able to make. At the moment, it's only going to be that they'll make another inspection a little later on. When uh, they can uh, say that the has stopped, and then perhaps there might be the chance of a a later start. It remains uh, very frustrating. Were saying Jack you've um, you've been a little bit busy in uh, either an excel spreadsheet or a bit of code uh, looking at what Shane Watson would look like if he was just a normal batsman if he wasn't a walking laughing stock for his lbw uh, dismissals um, first question i've got jack is i mean what have you actually done here well i think what we really need to do is go back to the
2: very beginning of the whole shane watson process um, because there's no cricket on i had to think really hard about what I would do for this week's show. Um, and one of the things that I thought I could do is take a look at some of the funnier things that have happened in cricket. Um, people who listen to this show know that when we're struggling for content, what we normally do is just dredge up some story about Matt Hayden cooking pasta, or Inzamam fight the crowd, and we have a good laugh, and then we move on to the next um, fad, basically. <laughs> um, so I started my research, and I found a series by uh, cricket journalist Dan Liebke, uh, the 40 funniest cricketers ever. And you know who he'd chosen as number one? Is it Shane Watson? It, it was Shane Watson. Um, well, actually, Matt, because Dan Liebke's hilarious, uh, he chose Shane Watson as number one. And then at the end of the article, he reviewed it. And decided that. It was still <laughs> Shake Watson. <laughs> no, he didn't. He decided that Stuart Broad was actually as funny, so it made them both number one. Oh, and, okay. Which doesn't make any sense because everyone no. knows when Shake Watson reviews something, it doesn't get changed.
0: Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's, he's messed up his own joke there, that's his point. Yeah. <laughs>
2: well, exactly. Leave that to the side, though, because that's not the point of this um, this, this thing that I am doing or, or, or what I did. That's that's just a criticism right. we We'll get
0: off the of, tangent, of cricket journalist. Back to the subject.
2: Yeah. Um, my well, I think what's interesting is that Shane Watson is a man that is pretty much exclusively defined by his major weakness in Test cricket, which is being out LBW loads. Um. He actually is quite good at, or was quite good at one-day cricket. He's an excellent T20 player, probably one of the best of a generation when it comes to T20. But if someone says Shane Watson to somebody who knows about cricket, what you think about is is him being at LBW, isn't it? Yep. Um, and I think in that sense, he's unlucky to live now um, in an era where people sat at home, like us, on their fat asses. <laughs> can um, like mock up a picture of him with a giant front pad, or a bat for a pad, a pad for a bat rather. Or, and I thought this was really good, someone had done a tweet where they'd photoshopped a, vid- a picture of Shane Watson unsuccessfully reviewing an LBW onto a version of his passport uh, as the photo. That's probably my favorite um, trolling of Shane. <laughs> um, And so I, you know, it started to get to me a little bit. So I I was researching this and I was like, is it actually as funny as Dan Liebke thinks? Um, And I I started, I'll be honest, I started to feel a bit sorry for him. Um, So what I'm here to do, I'm not here to explain why this has happened or how he could have been better, how he could have changed his technique. Because I don't know that. Um, What I'm here to do is to create an alternate world where Shane Watson isn't a figure of fun, um, where he isn't the number one funniest cricketer of all time, or number two, depending on whether the review is successful or not, um, and, and see what would've happened. Um, before we get into that, I think we really need to set the table, fully set the context for this. So I'm gonna do a brief history of the main protagonists. So what do you know about the LB, LBW rule, boys?
1: Um, it stands for leg before wicket. Yep, yeah, correct. Uh, it doesn't well, have
0: to be your leg. It could be any part of your body.
2: <laughs> yes. <laughs> um,
1: uh, could you summarise it in like a sentence? Max, you're the rules man. I reckon you've got it word yeah. for word as the MCC have it in there.
0: <laughs> Unlikely.
1: Um, if uh, if the ball strikes the, the batsman uh, on his body
0: and the ball would have been going on to hit the stumps, um, having pitched in or outside off, then it's out.
2: Yeah, I think that's good enough. Um, did you know that in the beginning there was no LBW and all the bowlers bowled underarm? Did you also know that the batsmen, what they did was they stood right in front of their stumps to being stop themselves being out LBW? Um, so stop them
1: being bowled, rather. Yeah, being bowled, yeah. So so that's, that was like just, that's, exactly, that's exactly the way I played death cricket at the park. That's, so that's where it comes yeah. from.
2: Then, in 1788, which, incidentally, is the year they first transported convicts to Australia, um, they decided that wasn't on, and that if you were hit in line, and when it was going to hit the stumps, you were out LBW. And then, for 150 years, the rule was basically the same. Um, so, if you're hit in line, it bounced in line, you're out LBW. Then, in 1937, they changed it and now we've, to basically what we've got now. So, the ball can also bounce outside off. Um, mm-hmm. The final point here, and then we summarise summarised LBW... Is that about 17% of wickets in modern test matches, or about 1 in 6, are LBW. So here we go. Is, yeah. Stats. That's some stats. That's I'm the first now. of the stats. You're going to have to follow. There's a lot of stats here. Um, <laughs> then we move forward. So we've got we've, we've brought LBW into play. We understand what that is. Now we have to understand Shane Watson. Shane Watson, he comes onto the scene in about 2003. He's an excellent all-rounder. Um, he bowls pretty quickly and he smacked the ball all over the place. Uh, he's he's got, a
1: pretty big bloke isn't he? He's a he big must, unit. He must, he must yeah. be at least 6'2 six, 6'3. Six, yeah, and so he, he went to
2: the 2003 World Cup. He was in the team ahead of Andrew Simons and everyone knows how good Andrew Simons was. So that's how highly he was rated in in the, in the beginning of the 2003 World Cup. He got injured at that World Cup and that was kind of like he had a few more injuries after that and his bowling never really got to the level it should have been. Um but it was like it was kind of good enough, you know. It was he was an all right extra bowler, wasn't he? Mm-hmm. Um, Better than Mitch Marsh, who's yeah. kind
1: of having that role today.
2: Yeah, shortly after that, he stopped, like, Australia stopped being the best at cricket. So, I mean, Shane Watson missed all of this, like, 2003, he missed 2004, he missed most of 2005, he wasn't at the Ashes, he could have been He could have been the Australian Flintoff. Um, I don't think that's really much of an exaggeration. Um, so he missed all that, Australia become bad at cricket, and suddenly he's Australia's test opener. <laughs> um... <laughs> Um, later in his career he'd actually like win to australians men's cricket of the year and stuff and we're going to sketch over that that's not important here are some things about lbw and shane watson if you go onto youtube there is a 15 minute compilation that's 15 minutes of him being out lbw <laughs> <laughs> look it up shane watson get, getting out lbw heaps Long version, fifteen minutes of incompetence. Robo Linda Is it a
0: complete anthology? No, I don't. It it's not a, all. It's not even all of them. Best
2: hits. It's 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 some of the best hits.
1: Like there's you, too many. You say it's a bad thing. You say it's a bad thing, but maybe it just means he didn't get out bold, right? Oh, he might have got. Away. Maybe it's like a good thing. Maybe it's well, one of those things well, where he, he
0: blocked that's, that's a fair point, Ross. Like Johnny Besto doesn't get out OWW very often because he's bold about sixty percent of the time. Maybe that's what I can do next week. What would
2: happen in a world where Johnny Besto wasn't out bold all the time? <laughs> get the <laughs> out OBW every time instead. anyway So, so that's there's that video. Also about Shane Watson, he's, he, in test matches, he has been out LBW 29 times, which doesn't sound like that many. Tendulkar, he's number one. He's been out LBW 55 times. But like kind of with Tendulkar, if someone says who's done the most X and it's about batting in cricket, it's Tendulka. probably Tendulkar. Mm-hmm. He's just done so much more batting. He's been out most in the 90s, right? Is that... He's been out most in the 90s. I think he's been out like pretty much every other dismissal apart from runouts or something like that. He's been out the most. He kills it um, at sixes. He's not so good at sixes, but he's still in the top ten. So, um, so he's been out. Watson's been out, out twenty-nine times for LBW, fourteen times in Ashes series alone. Um, the first time he opened the batting, he was out LBW. The last two dismissals of his career, both um, LBW. Of the batsmen to have played more than a hundred innings in Test cricket, he's the most LBW of all time. So, of batsmen who are relevant, really. Who, who 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 like justified their place in the team through batting he's been out at we the most 27.36% um which is right. max off the top of your head what
0: 150% more than average uh no just under 100 right so <laughs> 80% more roughly 90% more something like that well 70% is
2: normal then it, i don't know anyway it, it, it's a lot more I think we can all agree that 27 is a higher number than 17. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, so anyway, there's, I've laid out, I think, the problem there. And so the question is, what if, instead of being the biggest LBW candidate in the history of players who have been any good, um, what happens if he'd just been average? So I I did this. Um, now I didn't literally make a new Shane Watson and then go back in time and, and sort his technique out and, and then go through it like his own career. Um, I had to do it a little bit differently, um, and this takes Einstein's a little bit. Ex- this takes a little bit of explaining. Um, so if you find sort of uh, maths or code or Excel spreadsheets boring, I did some other research here, and why did I found a YouTube video? So if you search falling over, just two words, falling over, uh, put that in YouTube and click on the top video. It's about two minutes long. Watch that, mute this podcast, then come back and you can just hear about Shane Watson more later and you don't have to worry about the maths. Okay? Ross, maybe that's for you. Um, Anyway, back to how how we did this or how I did this. So what I did was I adjusted down the number of times Shane Watson's been out LBW to 17%. And To do that, I took away the 11 of the 29 innings and it worked out about 17%. Um, To do that, I randomly chose 11 of the times he was out LBW with a random number number generator. Then I looked at the remaining 7,083 balls that Shane Watson faced in his career. He was out 95 other times. He hit 483 fours, he hit 31 sixes, he hit a lot of singles and twos, and then the main thing he did was dot balls. So I took all of those numbers, I put, uh, I I created a random number generator that generated a number between 1 and 7,083, and I mapped it out. And what I did for the 11 innings where Shane Watson, was, we decided he isn't out LBW, uh, I continued his innings with the random number generator. Um, How long did this take you? It took me like three hours.
1: <laughs> three hours for ten minutes of content. That is what you get in this show. <laughs>
2: um, so, do you want to go through uh, and please say yes here. Do you want to go through 4. the eleven times that Shane Watson wasn't out LBW that makes him an average LBW candidate?
0: Yes, please. <laughs>
2: Um, I think at this point, it's worth saying like you might have listened to all that, and if you're really good at math, you've probably worked out a better way, a better method. Um, but what I did do is I simulated his entire career a couple of times uh in fact more than a couple of times, just to make sure that the simulator I produced
1: was giving <laughs> sort of roughly consistent <laughs> results. <laughs> And then, and then. I'm, um, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of thinking in my head that one of them diverged so heavily into like Chris Martin of New Zealand at number 11. Oh, some and of the, them are, and, the, and the other ones made him Tendulkar.
2: Uh, there were a couple of outliers. So I ran this like a few times and he did average like 30 in one, which it like meant, means, well, he's awful. Um, and then there was one where he was averaging in the 40s. But mainly they came out in at the number I thought they would when I did the math the first time round.
1: Okay. Um, I'm in, I'm gripped, the audience right, is gripped yeah. We're um, next hands. week we do it via
0: machine learning and see if it improves the well method. here's
2: the thing, here's, here's the final thing before we get into the the, the what happened um, We I only did this once because in real life you only get one chance don't you, um, some people will probably be saying oh well why didn't you run the simulation loads of times to get uh, a true reflection of what might have happened but that's not how batting works, you make one mistake and you are gone um yeah and that, that is sort of relevant but we'll, we'll get to that later so here's what happened I'm just opening the Shane Watson simulator now
1: it might take a while
2: no it's you, it's, should, have it, it's you right. should have run
0: it live Jack you should have given us a live demonstration it wouldn't of have been that Watson's exciting recreation, <clears throat> so we could have all been there so um, the first time Shane Watson isn't
2: out LBW is in his it's the fourth time he was out LBW in real life um, India are playing away uh, sorry, Australia are playing India away in Mahali. Uh, in real life, Shane Watson is out LBW for two. Australia need to bat for a whole session, or for like no, for four sessions to save a Test match. Um, they don't. They lose in real life. Uh, Shane Watson isn't out at LBW for two. He bats a further thirty-four, ball, um, further ninety-two balls and scores thirty-six in total, um, which means Australia still lose. So, okay. oh. yeah, there doesn't we
0: seem are. beyond the realms of, of possibility.
2: Yeah, second game, Australia playing New Zealand at home. They're absolutely smashing them. This is when like Mitchell Johnson was committing crimes all across the world. Um, Watson is out LBW on five, except he's not. He blocks the ball. It's a dot. Um, he scores in this occasion nine additional runs, uh, <laughs> fourteen. Australia <laughs> still win easily. The next time he's not out LBW. It's the uh, this is the sixth LBW of his career expunged from the record. It's England away at Edgebaston. Uh, he's on 62 in real life. He again blocks the ball, scores 14 additional runs. 76 is his final score. Um, that test ended in a draw. It still ends in a draw. <laughs> <laughs> then we then he's out LBW a few times in the simulator. The 11th time he's out LBW in real life. Uh, he's not out LBW again I'm not going to keep saying that I'm just going to assume that you know that he's not out LBW in the simulator Is it, can you follow along? Well, we're, we're all in
1: now mate Yeah.
2: anyway so this time um, Australia are playing the West Indies at home against Perth it's quite a close game this one um, and it could go either way uh, Watson's on 30 he's not out he ends up scoring another 21 he gets 50 so that's good Yeah, that's, for the, another, that's a milestone there Um, All it really achieves though Is that Australia win quite a close game Slightly more comfortably They win their game by 56 instead of 34 The next game he's not out LBW He's away in Pakistan He is on 5 In this version of events He's out almost immediately afterwards Doesn't score any more runs And still ends up with 5 Australia still lose the Test match by 3 wickets
1: and what, and what year are you in now
2: um, I think this is about 2011 something like that so, so when, when does DRS come in is it 2013-14 I'm not sure exactly I don't know that I, I, I'm not 100% um, I'll,
1: I'll find out but yeah. you continue um,
2: the next game Shane Watson is batting away against India um, it's the third innings of the test It's gone. it's a game that's going to go to day 5 um, and Australia are I think at this point nil down just a two-test series, um, they're batting to save the game. He's on 32, he's not out LBW, he goes on to score just 12 more, and Australia still lose the test. Um, for people who are playing along at home here, um, Shane Watson has been not out six times, In he's had six of his LBWs removed, none of those, <laughs> he's gone on to score some more runs, none of the runs he has scored have changed the outcome of any of the games that he was out LBW in.
0: That's good news. We haven't created some sort of alternate reality without being, being aware of it. No,
1: I enjoy, enjoy your bit as well, so those who are playing along at home. If you've got your own Shane Watson <laughs> number generator, please do get in touch.
2: In the, the next reprieve he received, it's uh, an England. It's against England, it's the series that England win in Australia, so it could be a big one, this. Um, it's the Perth Test. Uh, he's on 95, not out. Uh... He Isn't out LBW um, as, we've, we've, we, as we Should all now be starting to understand He scores 24 more runs Which gives him a century So that's another milestone There, 119 he ends up with mm. um, You'd think that might have an impact on the series Except it doesn't Because that's the game where England fucked up and lost badly So those 24 more runs Just mean Australia win easier it's not, He has not changed the outcome of that game either um, Next test it's a fucking road in, in Sri Lanka away. Australia playing Sri Lanka away in Colombo. It's about five hundred aside. It's third innings. He's on twenty one not out. He's not out LBW. He adds twelve. He scores thirty three overall. It's still a draw. There's nothing he could have done about that. Next test. South Africa away. Australia playing South Africa away <laughs> in Cape Town. It's the game, and you might remember this one, Australia were bowled out for 47 and they lost the match by eight wickets. And in the earlier in the game, I think they bowled South Africa out for almost nothing. This is one that he could change. Like a good innings, he might make a difference. He's on four. He's not out on four. He scores 13 more runs. He's out on 17 and Australia still lose. There's no <laughs> way that they don't lose that game. The next game, it's South Africa again. This time at home in Perth. He's on 10. He gets a reprieve. He's not out LBW. He scores zero more runs. And Australia lose
1: by 350. Jack, I'm a fellow presenter. How many more games are you going to go through?
2: This is the last one. The last chance that Shane Watson's going to get. Like The last reprieve we're going to give him. It's away. It's India. Hyderabad. Australia are going to lose this game. It's clear. Uh, He's on 23. He's batting for pride. He's not out LBW. He scores 15 more runs for a total of 38. Australia still lose. So to run through those games, there are 11 innings there where we reprieve Shane Watson. He manages to score a total of 300 uh, 154 runs. He faces 379 balls. He hits 20 more fours, zero sixes. has adds, adds 100 to his career totals. And that's it. That is it. He doesn't really achieve anything. Um, if we... If we go through the lessons learned there, if Shane Watson like wasn't a massive LBW candidate, it would have had no impact on any Test match he was a part of.
1: I mean, that, that's, that's mightily impressive, and I'm, I'm, I think the world is grateful that you did you've done that research. I think yeah. there's some more stuff we can learn though. Um,
0: that lockdown's got to you a little no. bit. Right? <laughs> I mean, people at home, if if uh, if isolation is getting to you as well, please do get in touch or get in touch with any mental health charities who may be able to help you. Um, um, here's some more things that I think because we, this is what could happen. Here's some more
2: things that I think we should learn. Um, Shane Watson was probably in his career about average as a test batsman. You know, he scored average thirty-seven with the additional runs he scored here. He average no, he went up from thirty-five to thirty-six. So it makes no difference there. Maybe we're all hung up on something that isn't really doesn't no impact on on, on, on anything. Um, maybe if Shane Watson wasn't a big fucking walking LBW, it, it wouldn't have mattered. We're we're all just we're all just a bit mental. It's not me; it's all of us. We are all crazy.
1: Quite possibly, <laughs> quite possibly. It's not. I think anyone who goes, it's not just me that's crazy. You'd definitely be um, to.
2: Uh so yeah, I mean I think that's it. I think we need to see the bigger picture. Um finally though, before before we put I put the Shane uh, Watson simulator to bed, I tried one more thing. Um I rolled back time to 1788, um and I eliminated the introduction of the LPW rule. Um and then I simulated Pardon? For everyone ever. No, just for Shane Watson. Uh there's a <laughs> loophole. Um so then I ran the whole of Shane Watson's test career again. So every single innings he played in. Uh, and he was amazing. Shane Watson, in a world without LBWs, so if we, if we, if we go beyond what would he have be been if he was normal, and it turns out still normal, without LBWs, Shane Watson would have scored 5,823 test runs at an average of 57.65, uh, which puts him between Sangakara and Gary Sobers. Head
0: of Callis to so, Lara Coley. So Shane Watson, in a world where he has one fewer method of getting out, is still not the best. <laughs> in the world. Correct. Um, that is exactly what you're saying.
1: Correct.
2: Yeah, I think that's it. Yeah, that's all I've got, of Shane Watson. Um, it wouldn't <laughs> have made a difference, you know. Like we, we need to stop giving him a hard. We should have. What we should appreciate Shane Watson for is winning two times he's the Australian Cricketer of the Year twice. He's IPL Player of the Year twice. He was the best all-rounder in the world in Twenty Twenty cricket for 150 weeks. He was the number one Test interna- uh, uh, IPL. Um, he was the number one T Twenty batsman. He was pretty good. Like we're we're ragging on a guy who was like genuinely an excellent cricketer for something that would have made no difference to his career at all.
0: There we go. More respect for Shane Watson. <laughs> the cricket
1: podcast through the hard yards. Thank you very much, Jack. We're going to have a quick break and then we're back with Cricket and Showbiz.
2: Hi there guys, this is a song I learned to play when I was about 11 years old and I'm going to sing it with my beautiful wife. Everyone knows this song, it's um, Ronan Keating's Nothing At All and I hope you enjoy it. We're just fooling around a bit here in Bangalore, having a good time. It's amazing how you can speak right to my heart
1: Say in a word in a you word. light up the dark, you light up the dark Try as I may, I can never explain what I hear when you don't say a thing The smile you face lets me know that you need There's a truth in your
0: eyes Saying you'll never leave me The touch of your hand says you'll catch me Wherever I fall You say it
2: best
0: When you say nothing at all
1: So staying with Shane Watson just for a little bit here, um, recently he started his own podcast. Has he? So the cricket and showbiz kind of mantra um, is just to highlight a couple of people who have uh, tried their, tried their little, 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 little steps into the media world and the showbiz world. And uh, let's start with Can Shane Can I just w-
0: congratulate you, Ross, there on that segue? Why? That was phenomenal.
1: Thank you very much. Thank well, you've just blown it there, haven't you, Max? Well, it's a a, a fine oil machine, the cricket podcast. Um, But Shane Watson recently um, um, had Matthew Hayden onto his show. So Matthew Hayden is one of our favourite people on the podcast, thanks to his website, The Hayden Way, where I think I'm probably the person who's visited the most, other than Matthew Hayden himself. Um, But on the recent podcast, he, he actually revealed that a Tom Cruise film changed his life. So Matthew Hayden went out to the world and went, do you know what? The last samurai changed his world. Um, and in, in a scene the where The last Tom Cruise, samurai? Yeah, the yeah, so Tom Cruise is a samurai. I'm guessing he's the well, last samurai. He's I
2: not, know. I don't think, but I, it's not... It's that, That's by the bias. It's just not a great film, I think, is my incredulity
0: at... Um, at, at that. Well, I mean, it's a Tom Cruise film, so it's going to be lacking in sort of any sort of realism that could possibly change your life if you are a saint. Right, human. Well, like, thought. to an extent, yes, but
2: he, hear me out here. Unless
0: Minority Report, the remake, became an actual true thing, then that could probably change here's, your
2: life. Here's what I'd like. You might watch Top Gun and be like, I want to be a fighter pilot or a pilot. You might watch Cocktail and be like, I want to make cocktails. Um... Nobody watches The Last Samurai and is like, "I'm going to go back in time and be a samurai." <laughs> or, are they? I mean, like, what? What's the message? Matthew taking away Hayden, there? Even Matthew a...
1: Hayden is, is, is transcended all of this. Okay. He realizes that The Last Samurai is actually commentary on the uh, on the mind. And uh, in a scene where Cruz is preparing himself for the final battle, one of the samurais, after kicking Cruz's ass in a fight, um, imparts the line. You have too many minds. Shane Watson saw this and came out with this. There is a stillness and beauty in batting, which is in a meditation itself. And this is I base on The Last Samurai, and this is what I learnt. That's Matt Hayden learnt that, sorry. Yeah. Matt Matt Hayden literally said that he learnt meditation through watching The Last Samurai based upon the (laughs) stillness and beauty. That's impressive, isn't it? So there you go. Matt, Matt Hayden, he's... I like him. I think Matt Hayden is one of the guy. weirdest guys in cricket, I think. He is a, he's a very, very, very strange bloke. Um, but that was just uh, just to kind of warm us up a little bit, because in the film world, did you know that Brett Lee is a film star? No. No. So Brett Lee, um, the incredibly good Austra- Australian batsman, uh, bowler, sorry. We're sticking with Australians in this one. We might as well be a budget great cricketer. Which we probably are. I um, don't
2: think the grey cricketer would recreate Shane Watson's career, <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> or they get the or or they, they I mean they have access to the real Shane Watson. Why would they need to do that?
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they could, they could have got Matt Hayden on themselves and got that quote going. Hey, Matt, what's your favourite film <laughs> that's taught you the most? Oh, it's the Last Samurai boys with Tom Cruise. <laughs> anyway, Brett Lee, um, a kind of. It, it, the whole thing got me thinking around who else has been in these films and Brett Lee turned up in a Bollywood film called Un-Indian. So that's what it's called and I just want to read you a brief um, plot just to get your take on whether you think cricketers in general going into films is a good thing and secondly, would you have watched this film? So this is the plot. The story is set in Australia Sydney where Will Henderson, Brett Lee, Tall and blonde, with a charming smile, who teaches Australian English to immigrants, falls in love with Mira, a beautiful divorcee Australian woman of Indian origin and a single mother of ten-year-old girl Smitha. Thought
0: you were going to say ten girls. There.
1: You with <laughs> me so girl. far? With me so far? Yep. Mira is smart, independent, and has carved out a successful life for her and her daughter. Mira's ex-husband, Deepak had earlier tried to lure and take infant Smither with him to India, but was nabbed by police after a complaint by Mira. Instantly, yeah, Australian on, on, checks out. Yeah. While Mira's parents want to make a good match for her, she is not ready for any relationship. So, so it's, it's already jumped from kidnapping <laughs> straight to her, to her parents trying to make sure that she's uh, set up for life. Uh, it takes a while before Mira is willing to take a risk by dating Will despite family pressure to find a nice Indian match. How the situation between Mira and Will develops through a series of ups and downs is the focus of the narrative. In a dream sequence, Will sees himself dancing with Meera in an actual Bollywood movie. God, through through the, through the keyhole on that one. Smitha confides in Will that she wants to meet her father, Deepak, to which Will responds to helping her meet him. So at this point, I'm not even sure if... This is not the end. No, it's it's not not the end. It's it's not the end. And at the moment, there's there's been no bit in there that kind of suggests that Brett Lee should have a relationship with the the daughter. Because he's not teaching her. He's just a teacher. He's not teaching her. There's no bit in here. Um, Confides in her that she wants to meet her father. Um, However, the clever Deepak hatches a plan to leave for India via New Zealand with Smitha. Another kidnapping subplot he almost succeeds so,
0: so, sorry the daughter who'd just been had been the subject of an attempted kidnapping by her father has said that she wanted to go and meet her father correct again.
1: correct so, and, and then, does like, she know I mean, she was going to be that stupid. I don't think so but uh, it's, it, I mean he's gone for the same plan twice um, he almost succeeds but is nabbed by the police again after Will <laughs> reveals to Mira his attempt to help Smither so again at this point don't know what their relationship is at the moment he's just a creepy guy who's an accomplice it's not looking yeah Brett Lee is is currently an accomplice in Deepak's accessory to (laughs) then this is the bit where uh, the plot really comes into its own Mira lashes out at Will for his folly and tells him Deepak is gay and a very mean self-centred man who has no interest in his daughter's welfare (laughs) why would you write that down in the plot (laughs) Oh my god. Police are informed and block Sydney airport and railway stations, ultimately stopping Deepak at the port where he was planning to escape by ship with Smither. What,
0: because he's gay? Uh, or... I, I, I... Well, you know
2: what sailors are like, don't you, Max? <laughs>
0: <laughs> In no. the
2: Navy,
1: okay. etc. After oh. some misunderstanding, Will decides to quit his job and leave Sydney. I have no idea if that's with Deepak. What
0: was the misunderstanding? <laughs> I, I think it's, it's him being an accomplice. Yeah, he thought he was going to kidnap a child.
1: <laughs> Smith <laughs> asks her mother to stop Will from leaving, since he is a good man at heart. Mira agrees and rushes to the airport to stop Will, but finds that the flight has already taken off. She returns home dejected, but is surprised to find Will there with his parents and daughter. What I can only be described as probably another kidnapping scenario or hostage situation. So, the big question is, what do you think of the plot?
2: But is that, not the, is that the end?
1: That's the end. That is the end. What, what,
0: who, why are Will's mum and so dad The ending there? is that he flew out of Sydney and broke into her house.
1: There's, there's so many plot holes here. With his family. I'm sorry, I'm, I don't
2: understand the end. So, Mira, she, <laughs> is, she goes home to Sydney...
1: That was... <laughs> yeah, she kids, goes back to her
2: house. <laughs> Not only is this man who tried to kidnap her child tried to kidnap her child. He's now broken in <laughs> with his family and is just waiting there. <laughs>
1: <laughs> she is... just uh, the line. Uh, she returns home dejected, but surprised to find Will there with her parents and daughter. Oh, her parents. So he's... <laughs> It's uh, so absolutely amazing. So that is, that's Brett Lee's first um, foray into... Um, first and only for, order no, first foray. Um, but let me tell you that... Uh, do you want to hear a review? His debut is so full of cheese, you might as well order a pizza. Two stars from the Hindu Times.
0: Yeah. Better
2: than one. Uh, it's out of two, Max, actually. One <laughs> stars don't
0: it, <budget> Two stars. <laughs>
1: Uh, and then finally on this front um, Brett Lee um, had actually after uh, all of the releases kind of said this is his first foray into film etc actually he's got a credit in the film Babe
2: really?
1: where he was where he was an animal handler there you go wow so what the the main thing I'm taking away from this is that Bollywood need to give us a go is what I'm thinking. I think we can write a better plot than that and I reckon we could get Brett Lee to star in it. I don't think we could write either of those things. And also, Ross, you've got the perfect moustache at the moment for a kidnapper. I do. I do indeed. I could I could. be the so, criminal. Uh, Max, you could be the saviour. Yep. And w- uh, I reckon Brett Lee, he, we tried him in the lead man role, he didn't really do it that well. So, Leading lady. Oh, he, oh, very woke of you, Max, very woke. Um, so that is my cricketing showbiz I think it's going to be one of those things where there's a lot of people who have done stuff like this in the cricketing world Um,
0: you think it's going to be a repeat segment potentially
1: um, however I don't want to commit to watching any of these films (laughs) yeah I can see why No, Uh, but anyway that is uh, Matthew Hayden and a bit of uh, Brett Lee just to brighten up um, your quarantine Um, if you do want to watch it it it's called Un-Indian and it came out in 2015 I'm sure if you searched for Brett Lee Indian movie it would be there
2: thanks Ross Um, shall we have another quick break and then we'll come back with the Hall of Fame
1: sounds delightful
2: Just quickly before we move on to the Hall of Fame, we'd like to highlight our two partners for this week. First of all, we have Vox Cricket. Vox Cricket is a new cricket magazine which you can read for free online. Um, Go to their Twitter, uh, which you can find at Vox Cricket, and see the link in their profile. Uh, We highly recommend that. I think it's up the alley of all of our listeners. Second of all, we have a yoga partner um if you are interested in a free yoga session then a friend of ours jenny is running twice weekly vinyasa yoga zoom classes you can find her on instagram at jenny's yoga flex which is jenny with a y so j-e-n-n-y-s-y-o-g-a-f-l-e-x um and get in touch uh, she runs the sessions at the weekend um and we recommend getting involved it's time for the Hall of Fame um, the way this works if you didn't listen last week we've only done it for one week is that we all nominate a player we think is worthy of the Cricket Podcast Hall of Fame and then at the end we vote and one of them gets it uh, it's pretty simple um, Max would you like to go first <laughs>
1: Yeah, I think it's the winner. That's what Absolutely. we should do. Each week, the winner goes first. So Max, you yep. you picked um, you picked Brian Lara last week, and obviously it was the obvious choice out of Dravid, Graham Smith, and Brian no.
0: Lara. Yeah. My pitch did didn't, no. Yeah. didn't, actually. But, you it know, may be, be kind on Brian merit, Lara. So. <laughs> <laughs> okay.
1: Who have you gone with this week, so, Max?
0: Bit, bit different this week. Um... But I don't know if you uh, if you remember that um, over the weekend or the most recent weekend, Sky and the BBC both um, played uh, sort of a replay of the Edgebaston Test from the 2005 Ashes right. series. Uh, I watched a bit of that and it got me it got me all nostalgic. Um, but it reminded me of of something that I'd long since forgotten, which was how good Steve Harmson was. At the peak of his powers, there was uh, there was yeah uh, you know, it was a great spell at the start of the um, I think it was Australia's first innings where he uh, he hit Ponting on the on the head, which you know Joffrey Archer did in the most uh, recent Ashes series. Yeah, it bounced and such a good about. bounce um, went it. up to the
2: Australian team dressing room yeah. where Ponting was sitting, <laughs> cracked him right on the ear.
0: <laughs> Take that, punter! What? What's he on about? <laughs> Um yeah, and uh you yeah, know, Joff was bowling some ninety mile an hour plus stuff. It was uh it was, everyone was getting pretty excited that when the speed gun was was mm-hmm. racking up. Uh, and then I was watching the end of this spell from Harmson, and He was pushing like ninety four fairly regularly towards the end of an eight over spell. And it was just I he was a man on a mission. And um sort of just sort of carved my mind back to, to Steve Harmson's England uh, England career. He um like within two years of his debut in, in 2002, he was the number one bowler in the world. In 2004, he took seven for 12, his career best figures, in the Caribbean against a West Indies team that had uh, Gail, Lara, Sawan. Sarwan. Um, at one point in that game, he actually had eight slips, which was, uh, which was pretty, pretty good. Good picture of that. Hoggard in the slips, probably not something that's uh, happened too often. And um, he's also responsible for two of my favourite balls in Test cricket. That's uh, a good slower ball. The slower ball to Michael Clarke is one of the finest bits of bowling ever, you know, I, I think. I think that's fair to say as an England fan. And, um, and then also at the complete opposite end of the spectrum, the, the widest of yeah. the, the wides to open a Test match.
1: It wasn't even to open a Test match, it was <laughs> to open the Ashes series itself. Yeah. First, first ball of us going down <laughs> under. We've got a pretty average team compared to the Australians. <laughs> Set the tone from ball one. Ball to second slip.
0: <laughs> it was wonderful. It really was. Um, but I mean, the other thing about Harmerson is that actually, as a, just as a as a sportsman and as a man, I, I really like how how candid he is. He's um, he's been very open about the mental health issues he suffered, which um, were going on sort of while he was at his at his peak. Which you know makes his achievements all more respectable, and um, there's a lot, a, a number of elite sportsmen, who sort of give off his aura of being sort of better than you, untouchable. You know, like not not particularly approachable. I think Harmison came across quite a humble, down to earth guy. Even, and for some reason, he also uh, ventured into a, an attempted football management career at ninth tier Ashington, um, which I believe is where where he's from. Uh, so, I mean, he's a he's an all round Good guy and uh, and, a, and a hell of a bowler uh, during his day. And I, I might actually go and buy his book. Well, Max, but it... I might not buy it from Ross's <laughs> local bookshop. I don't know what I might end up with.
1: Uh, Max, a question for you. What do you reckon he's like as a cricketer now? Because he's a, he's a big bloke. He's always been a big bloke. And, I mean, coming in a bowler 94 miles an hour is pretty impressive. But do you reckon, do you reckon he's... Yeah. Um,
0: well, you know those like kind of Sunday league guys you play against who look kind of a bit overweight? bowl but a heavy deep, ball. And they trot, they trot in off two paces, and you're like, ah, oh, you know, this will be some dibby doubler, and it whizzes past mm-hmm. your ear. He's yeah. 100% in that mould. Two oh, steps, no. 85 mile an hour. Do
1: you mean? I, I like this suggestion? At the, at the start, I mean, when we were talking on WhatsApp, Jack, you were kind of worried that he might not fit up to the bill. Actually, he's, he's a... He's a he's a cricketer's cricketer. If you see, you he want to have a really. pint with Steve Harmison, don't you?
2: <laughs> um, here's what I think. Um, why I, I, I think is I don't think that Steve Harmison belongs in a hall of fame. Um, his bowling average is about four billion, um, and he bowled a ball to second slip in in the first Test of the series.
1: You can't you can't base someone's well, whole career. You can you, right. well, on you can, you can base
2: um, their
0: no one said the Hall of it's Fame not, had to be from it's not the of Info, positive me. exploits yeah. is it he was famous for no. it was he not
1: I think it should be oh, I think we should, we should change it mind, maybe one <laughs> spell against
2: Australia and, and a series against um, the West Indies away when the West Indies weren't that good um, even though Brian Lara did score 400 in one of those tests uh, I, I, I just can't see it yeah I,
0: he was the number one bowler. Because in he Prickett did that to the um, to the
2: West Indies, and right. the, yeah, well, no, if it was a Hall of Fame right. for people who had a good opening. tour of the West Indies, he'd be right in there, wouldn't he? But it isn't. <laughs> you have made your case. I'm not. I'm not writing him off. Right, I, made my I, case. I want to hear what Ross has to say first. Uh, and there's a good chance it was it was a good it was a good um, presentation of the the facts of Big Steve Harmison's career. Uh, I
1: enjoyed that. Um, uh, 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 what, I, what I enjoy, Max, is that <clears throat> you made me remember Steve Harmison all the joy that you did bring. But there is that bit inside me that actually, that if I think of England bowlers, I don't think of Steve Harmison. There's not there's not one there's not a bit of me that turns around and goes, Do you know what? Steve Harmison's on by team sheet. If I'm going all-time bowlers for an England side, yeah, exactly. and that just fills me with um, a little Ross, bit of worry. Ross, do you do
2: you want to go first or shall I? Um, I last I'll,
1: last I'll go last one. this week. So you go next. You go next.
2: Uh, my my person, my the, my nomination is um, Malcolm Marshall. Um, I look. You've both picked bowlers, good bowlers, um, but you can't win this because. I've picked the best bowler ever, (laughs) Um, and here's why. Uh, Basic numbers, Malcolm Marshall uh, played 81 test matches, took 376 wickets at 20.84, which uh, to back up my point about him being the best bowler ever, is, is the lowest average for any bowler who's taken 200 or more test wickets, that's crazy. That's mad good. Mm -hmm. To put it into a bit more perspective and to contextualise it for people who maybe aren't old enough to have seen Malcolm Marshall or don't have YouTube, um, if Malcolm Marshall had bowled the same number of balls as James Anderson, he'd have taken 701 wickets, which is 117 more wickets than James Anderson has. That's a lot. I think we can all all agree, lots of numbers there. Mm -hmm. Um, Why was he so good? Because he could do everything and this was because he taught himself everything. Um, in 1979, he went to Hampshire and Mark Nicholas, who we've all seen from the telly, he um, played with him and I think captained him for a bit. Um, he said when he turned up, Mark Nicholas said when Marshall turned up he could bowl a bit of a way swing. And he was alright, not a world beater in um, Mark Nicholas's words. Um, a few years later, he was a world beater, uh, he, he bowled a little bit quicker. He learned how to bowl a leg car. He learned how to bowl an inswinger. Um and one year in the championship took 134 wickets which was 40 more than second place. But we're not we're not yeah it is pretty good. I'm glad to agree that that's pretty good Ross. Um what I think we should focus on really mm-hmm. uh, is Malcolm Marshall's peak. So for about 5 years between I think 1983 and 1988 Um, first of all he started in a World Cup so we'll start this period with a World Cup in the World Cup he takes a bunch of wickets uh, the bowling average of 14 then between 1983 and 1988 he plays in 10 test series in 8 of those test series he averaged under 20 with the ball the only team that could keep him out, bizarrely New Zealand wouldn't have seen that coming would you because they were really crap um
1: it's that kind yeah, of
2: comes he, back to you. don't um, to like, nick it kind here, of thing. There, I mean, like, we'll, we'll, we've done the numbers. I think he's he's taken more wickets lower than everyone else. Here are some good other things he did. In 1983, he turned down a one million dollar offer to go to apartheid South Africa for two months. Um, Mark Nicholas again, who for some reason is like the authority on Malcolm Marshall. <laughs> 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 Mark Nicholas was saying
1: me, in though. in the wait no wait 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 Max is it's a stain that he turned down money to go to play in South Africa for the apartment. Yeah. No, Mark what... Nicholas is the <laughs> <of Malcolm laughs> Just had to clarify. Anyway, Mark Nicholas was saying before, before that he topic.
2: reckoned Malcolm Marshall earned about thirty thousand pounds a year at this time. So that is an astronomical amount of money to turn down as a principal. That's a plus. Um, in nineteen eighty four.
1: I can't believe you one of the most middle class people I'm, I know I'm not is playing the black, the black I'm saying <laughs>
2: like <laughs> lots of people both of them could have gone it's one of the reason people like both of them because he didn't go to apartheid south africa um lots of as west indians did Sylvester clark went never played for the west indies again they they managed to send a west indian team there with test players who who included test players most of them never played for the west indies again but it was it was an option uh, and he didn't he um he turned down something that would have made him well um, astronomically rich um In Barbados' turns. Um, In 1984, I think you'll enjoy this one, boys. um, He broke his thumb in a test match against England. Um, West Indies were struggling a little bit, uncharacteristically. They were nine wickets down. He wasn't going to bat. But a player on the team was on 96 not out. So he did come out to bat, and he batted one-handed for long enough for the guy to score a century. Then, despite the doctor saying, don't bowl, Malcolm, he did bowl and took 7 for 53. (laughs) In 1986, um, another incident. He hit Mike Gatting in the face so hard um, that Mike Gatting's nose ended up stuck in the ball. Um, yeah, that's a bouncer. That is a bouncer.
1: Um,
2: they had to. There was a bone shard stuck in the ball. Um, if you're wondering, Mike Gatting didn't retire. Do you know why he didn't retire? Because because the ball Rookie went off wicket. his nose and he it was bald <laughs> uh, final thing and I think this is quite <laughs> interesting as well uh, cause I, everyone we love a grudge on the cricket podcast um, Ma- Michael, uh, Malcolm Marshall had a grudge against an Indian player um, Dilip Vengsaka uh, he had this grudge because in Malcolm Marshall's first test he was um, given out LBW when he didn't think or, or he was given out when he didn't think he was out um, and he blamed Veng uh, over-appealing, basically. Uh, that was in nineteen late 1970s. Uh, like nine years later, when they met again, Malcolm Marshall decided he'd bowl round the wicket all day and just bowl bouncers. So there were no limits on how many bouncers you could bowl. And at home, uh, the West Indies kind of abused that a little bit because nobody was going to say, you can't keep bowling bouncers. Um, so he did. He bowled bouncers at Veng mm-hmm. Sarka. All day. Now, to Veng credit, he actually batted pretty well. He got to 94, um, and then he was out to Marshall hooking. Uh In his autobiography, Malcolm Marshall described that as his favourite ever wicket. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, denying Veng a 100 uh,
0: <laughs> with a
2: tactic that clearly just hadn't worked. <laughs> um, unfortunately, Malcolm Marshall did actually die quite young. He died in 1999. Um, at just 41 um, as sort of a mark of how important and uh, influential he was um, five West Indian captains were among his pallbearers. bearers there you are that's Malcolm Marshall yeah, yeah well he was the best quite, bowler quite the ever impact, so.
1: quite the impact <laughs> well uh, my first thing is that he played in an era where it was easier to get wickets you should you just made that up. Is 100% true it's Oh, it's definitely easier. It's definitely... If you... All right, here you go. If you were bowling at 90... What, yeah, you bowled at 90 miles an hour? 95 miles an hour? They were rubbish. The fielders were rubbish back in what? the day. What? Yeah, but the, the batsman he was bowling <laughs> to did not have the right protective gear on and this dude was well, launching rockets down at them all the time and you were, you were sitting there going... Well, I think that's not, true. It was the same as batting today. It's not. It was easy. It was easier to bat... That it's just easier isn't born to out. to get wickets then than it is now. Yeah,
2: that isn't. It's sounding a little that bit like boycult, man. That just isn't born out
1: off. by like, stats and stuff. The and, and that the would one make like, every you. batsman in the
2: eighties who scored any runs like the greatest batsman of all time, wouldn't it? But we're not all sitting around being like, well, I don't know. Name a name a batsman from the eighties. We're not like nobody talks apart from Viv Richards, and everyone's like, oh, they're all a bit rubbish, weren't they? Well, no, we're not.
1: If, well, we're not, not contextualising we're a bit shit we're not was <laughs> just taking we're not, wickets.
2: not all like oh well he managed to survive so <laughs> like if you go way back in the day people like Victor Trumper so this is like 1910s or something people like oh he was one of the best bats whenever
1: <laughs> this people is were like, he was one of the best
2: ever because it actually was really hard to bat because they never covered any wickets and he came along and he could score on sticky dogs now now you did have covered wickets you had proper wickets when West Indies came to England, England would famously just make the deadest wickets you could, and he'd still bowl them out.
1: Easily. Also, I mean, like, the, also okay, there's... Well, another point here. Who, is, who, he bowled who with did some pretty, bowl pretty with? good bowlers. So who were his pals? But he was the best. This is the other thing. So they, 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 they typically had a pace attack, of four, is, well, pace attack of four people who'd bowl over,
2: well, oh, well, over 90 miles an hour. Four people bowling over over 90 miles an hour. Allegedly, they probably were. He was the best. He was by miles the best. The others weren't as good as him. Of the best bowling, best fast bowling attack ever, he was the best bowler. He was the one who opened the bowling. He was the one who bowled the most overs. He was the one yeah, who I, took I, most I wickets. It, but
1: is, if you've got four, if you've got three other people who are bowling about ninety. Work, like, so give or say, and you're still a really good player. It's You're still you going can't... to have more chance to get the other person out. If you're Steve Harmison bowling bowl, with fucking Andy, 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 Andy Katic. Katic and you haven't even got your timeline right. Matthew Hogg,
2: exactly, to... Hoggy. He was <laughs>
0: opening the bowling with Matthew Hoggard. <laughs> Flintoff, Flintoff is probably had a lot one of, of the like, <laughs> best old <Parmy. laughs> Bowling seventy-five. No, I don't hate him. overrated, but as
2: a bowler at, at his best, was four. one of the best for England. have had. Like, I mean, you.
1: Right, Jack, I think Jack, I think you've I given a pretty good account for Malcolm Marshall.
2: You
1: look at. It. <clears throat> Stood up to a bit of scrutiny, but I mean, it's, it's okay. You can claim that, but ultimately, the way this <laughs> works is a democracy. So three votes we'll see we'll we see what happens. so the final person own. is the mighty Charmin Divas, so the Sri Lankan left arm medium fast who's taken three hundred and fifty five test scalps, four hundred ODI scalps, and a pacer in the subcontinent that's just pretty much unheard of he was a he was the spearhead of the Sri Lankan bowling lineup for fifteen years and formed an impenetrable duo with Muralithran. um there's some great stats around Chiminder Voss and he's, he actually holds some pretty incredible records. Um, but what I really quite like is that he's a bowler who can also hold the bat. We talk around sometimes you get a tail end like Stuart Broad, fantastic bowler, pathetic with the bat. Yeah, he was quite um, good at the beginning, wasn't but, he? Well, only now. I mean, he scored a, t- a test century against that's the not cheating all he side. Did. It doesn't really count, does it? That's um, all I remember him for. Um... But he does have a century, Uljumindavas, and thirteen Test fifties. Um, but it, really, he's one of the king bowlers of his generation. He uh, he is known for the indipper, which for a left arm bowler is a pretty deadly delivery. And he pretty much—I'm not saying he invented the off cutter because that is a lie—but he mastered it and was unbelievably good at it. Um, in a Test series against the West Indies in sri lanka he took 26 wickets um which was a record at the time and uh, this included 14 in a match um only two people who ever achieved that that is himself and imran khan in the subcontinent um as you all know the pitches are dead that's why all the uh, most of the greatest bowlers there are spinners um and we like ruining people's days on the uh, podcast um Bangladesh had a big game in the World Cup in two thousand and three. Um, by the end of the first over, they were five for four. The first three deliveries, Chaminda has got a hat trick. <laughs> he then got hit for four and then clean bowled the other guy, <laughs> five for four, um, which is just an incredible achievement in general. Um, he's also the ODI record wicket. Um, Taker In a single game Where he took 8 for 19 So Max I'm afraid um, The 7 for That Harmy said Even though it was Test match uh, It was a little bit tear, But it was against oh, who, were, who was this was agent. Zimbabwe <laughs> <laughs>
0: I'm afraid Any stats this is, Against this is Zimbabwe the problem with You could Cricket in in general,
2: agenda It's always Something to do With whipping minnows <laughs>
1: Let me finish. I gave you a chance to finish. Um, this, and this is the point... Actually, it kind of helps my point. There is a bit where Sri Lanka... Like Muralithran, a load of his wickets came against really shit players. A lot like Malcolm Marshall's wickets. Um, and, but when it actually came to who Chiminder out, he opened the bowling for 15 years. He was bowling against the top batsmen. And ultimately, there were some pretty great batsmen that he was bowling to, from Lara, Gale, um, Tendulka all of the Australians um, and he's got three big bunnies so normally you have one bunny in cricket and a bunny is the one you just literally have the, have the edge over don't you? you, you get them out all the time um, Max, you, you'll probably like this um, there are two opening batsmen who he got out seven times for ducks Chris Gale and Herschel Gibbs not bad. And Not uh, bad. as in most things that we said earlier around Tendulka, he's got Tendulkar out nine times, who's the most of any international bowler ever to bowl to tendulka. Um But the final point for Chemin davas being inducted into our Hall of Fame is his inadvertent confidence. So uh, when he was young, he uh, was at one of the Colombo um, priesthood schools <laughs> and was going to become a priest. Um, he was going to have to train for 12 to 14 years, and he goes, I seriously considered going into priesthood, but cricket began to take over. God created me as a cricketer. Ultimately, Chamindavas Vars is cricket's Zlatan Ibrahimovic. I will now welcome your questions, but look forward to your votes for Chamindavas into the Hall of Fame.
0: What questions do you want? Well, you mentioned, Ross, at the start, uh, that he was a pacer in the subcontinent, which is um, bordering on unheard of. I don't know if you've heard of people such as uh, Lassith Malenga, Jasprit Brumrah, uh, Wasim mm-hmm. Akram, Waka Yunis, sort of yeah. similar, you know, paces in the subcontinent. Um, the other thing I don't know, uh, like, really so I thought good. this
2: might come up, when I knew you'd have Chamin so I looked up Malcolm Marshall in the subcontinent, average 20. <laughs>
1: Just like it wasn't a problem. I mean, for Sri Lanka, Sri Lanka are pants for ages. Yeah, but they did win a World Cup when he was around. They were absolutely rubbish. Who did he Um, bowl
2: with, Ross? Oh, he
1: bowled with Moolitharine. Moolitharine. But But they were still pants. They They were still pretty naff. But as you say, he was part of the World Cup winning team in 1996, which changed ODI cricket forever. Uh, he's one of he's an honorary member of the MCC. Alt- he has been in the world eleven three times, which is incredible. For a, if you think of all the pace bowlers from when he's bowling through to when his career ended, that is a pretty impressive thing to yeah, break into. Yeah, no, Good.
0: I mean, that's that all great. True, yeah. But who's the authority to know authority what Ron Nicholas has to say about him?
2: <laughs> right, I think that's I think that's everything. Um, you can you can vote yourself if you're quick because uh, um, it won't be up for long. Um, we ha- we have a poll on our Twitter um, if you want to let us know. Do you want to know who's winning that?
1: It's close at the moment. I would I would love to. So it's what it's it's currently it's, five it's to close. eight on it's the. Very close. On
2: is in last place with thirteen percent of the vote. Harmeson forty, Malcolm Marshall forty six. Oh. Ish with some. Oh. Oh. Yeah. So um, tr- Ross, as the person who went to. last, you get to vote first. People clearly don't know their cricket. Yep. Yeah.
1: <clears throat> it's a very tough one. It's a very tough one. So just because I think um, I've given you a hard time anyway, Jack, over uh, Malcolm Marshall, <laughs> I can't then vote for you. So, Max you've got my uh, I'm sorry I can't Steve 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 Harmison has my that's outrageous um, you,
2: you're basically undermining the whole point of the Hall of Fame.
0: Um. <laughs> well look I mean I I, I'm maybe Jack if because uh, I'm, I'm thinking I'm, I mean lovely presentation Ross and I do have a, a soft spot for yeah. Tminder but I Gotta go for gotta go for the numbers. If um, if Jack were to then vote for, um, I think that's Chiminder a great Vat, idea. You could leave, Max, it, let I think that. We,
2: when we have a tie, a new rule that we'll, in, we'll, we'll put in place from today, the people's vote does actually matter, but only in some circumstances. Um, so I am going to vote for tremendous <laughs> <Chiminder Vat. laughs> <laughs>
1: Yes, come on, and the people's vote
2: will will decide this. It's between Harmsman and Marshall.
0: Um, it's about time. you see, what it, we, we
1: don't appreciate is that how hard I'm going to go in. I'm going to go All into right. Sri Lanka. Well, you've Twitter. got about fourteen That's what I'm that. going to do, and catch um, him into Arsene votes. No, neither am I. I. If
0: you do, then fair play to you. I'm going to make absolutely yeah. no effort to further um, Steve Hart. Final thing call, um, I d- I just, this on
2: my research, from Malcolm Washington. This didn't really help my argument, but it was quite a bit of a sort of 19, funny eight, 1982 reporting from Wisdom. Um, you yeah. know how like, middle class publications in this country can sometimes be kind of inadvertently racist? Um, and they did that a lot back in the day they've they've sort of done that so this is what um, Wisdom had to say just in the middle of an article about how good he was in 1982 when he was one of their Wisdom players of the year Uh, Marshall has many of the traits of the typical West Indian his walk is jaunty his speech (laughs) liltingly rushed his ego large (laughs) he wears his name on a gold pendant hung round his neck dresses sharply and remains at twenty-four, an eligible bachelor <laughs> delighting in soul music,
1: reggae, and a good party. <laughs>
0: dear oh dear <laughs> <laughs> That's bad, isn't it? Bad. You know, that is what
1: that is what you get when uh. the only people who wrote for wisdom for fucking ages were just <laughs> were just like sixty year old white folks. Um. <laughs> and they're wearing their egg and bacon tie.
2: All right. Um, thanks very much, guys. That's, <laughs> That's
1: it's
2: been
0: a good
1: podcast. Spirit. We're, we're going to end now. Bye. The Cricket Podcast. I think it should never be permitted to happen again. That is very good.
2: Like he probably, maybe Shane Watson built a Shane Watson simulator. And um, he saw that it would have made a grand total of 1.4 runs difference to his average. I thought, fuck it, I can't possibly. So, so he
0: just cracked on when <laughs> getting out. he will be toughie all the time.